I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Equity Mates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. The FIFA World Cup wraps up in Qatar this weekend. France will take on Argentina in a heavyweight battle. But off the pitch, perhaps the most significant moment when it came to the business of the World Cup happened two days before it kicked off. That's when Qatar and FIFA decided to ban the sale of alcoholic beer at stadiums. Sky News understands that football fans will no longer be allowed to buy alcohol around World Cup stadiums. This very late decision comes ahead of the opening game in Qatar. On Sunday, Qatar had originally ordered Budweiser stands to be less prominent, but now it appears alcohol will not be sold. This took the event's major beer sponsor, Budweiser, by surprise, and the company had to pivot its marketing strategy on the spot. It's Friday, the 16th of December, and today I want to know... How did Budweiser salvage its World Cup? And is sponsoring the World Cup really worth it? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague here at Equity Mates. It's Darcy Cordell. Darcy, is Budweiser your beer of choice? It's not, Sasha, but I don't mind a little bud here and there. (laughs) (laughs) Very American beer. Yeah, I've got to say, I I don't think... um, I've had it recently. I certainly can't imagine how it tastes like compared to the Young Henrys or the, you know, the other ones that yeah. I've got on my local tap. <laughs> craft beers. <laughs> yeah, the craft beers at the local hub on the corner, the Union. Shout out to the Union. So Budweiser has been the official beer sponsor of the World Cup for the past 36 years and the official sponsor of the England men's team since 2018. How much exactly do they spend to sponsor this cup? It's not cheap, Sasha. Budweiser is paying FIFA $75 million to be the official beer supplier for this Qatar World Cup and they have a deal for roughly $112 million for the next World Cup in the US, Mexico and Canada. But they get exclusive rights to sell Budweiser at the tournament. Budweiser is not a small company. Its parent company is AB InBev, which is a Belgian-Brazilian beer giant. The other brands they own are Corona, Bex, Stella Artois and about 500 others to go with it. AB InBev has a market cap of almost $100 billion, so there's a lot of money behind Budweiser and it's one of the most recognisable beers in the world, especially popular in the US. Yeah, so I've snickered at Budweiser at the beginning, but I've definitely drunk a few Coronas in my time. So understandably, they're a massive brand and a very loyal sponsor. But two days before the cup began, as I said, the Qatar government threw Budweiser's plans into disarray. And suddenly today, we're hearing about a surprising last-minute move. FIFA says alcohol sales have been banned. They threw a massive curveball. Qatar's law is based on an interpretation of Sharia law, so alcohol is banned. Originally, they had made an exception for the month-long World Cup tournament with tens of thousands of fans coming in from around the world to visit Qatar for the Cup. But then just two days before the opening match, 
FIFA caved to pressure from Qatari officials and they banned the sale of alcohol in or around the stadiums during the event. Budweiser responded with a tweet, which it then deleted. They said, well, this is awkward. That seems like the modern PR solution is to respond with a tweet. I'm not surprised it disappeared. Pretty awkward and really expensive. On top of the $75 million Budweiser spent to sponsor the World Cup, they would have gone through the logistical hassle and expense of transporting a huge amount of beer to Qatar, storing it, and then assembling the sales infrastructure required to sell it. I mean, we did a small version of that at FinFest this year, so I can only imagine what it's like on a World Cup scale. Yeah, a much bigger scale, although FinFest was great. (laughs) Budweiser had spent about $5 million on those things you just mentioned, operations in Qatar, over the last couple of years, really getting ready to sell their beer at the tournament. There are almost no breweries in Qatar and it also experiences intense heat. So Budweiser had to ship its beer via ocean freighter and then store it in refrigerated warehouses. So Darcy, tell me, how did they salvage their investment? Well, Budweiser remains very present at the World Cup, albeit in a watered-down way. Unintended, I hope. (laughs) So the stadiums have been rid of alcoholic beer, but the alcohol-free Budweiser Zero option is everywhere. Introducing Budweiser Zero. Ads for the drink play on a loop in the stadium screens and there are just fridges full of it right next to the soft drink and soda fridges. Well, I understand that it's all very well and good to have it everywhere, but as a non-alcoholic option... I can't imagine that the same amount of fans are rushing to buy and drink that beer in particular. Yeah, it's a good point. So from the moment alcohol was banned in stadiums, Budweiser really had to come up with something on its feet. We mentioned their Twitter account deleting one tweet. Well, the next one they made was kind of genius. They then posted a photo of thousands of cases of beer in a warehouse, which we can probably assume was in Qatar, and they captioned it, new day, new tweet. Winning country gets the buds. Who will get them? What to do with all that beer? Budweiser will ship the unsold beers to the winning country and will host an ultimate championship celebration for fans. And that tweet went semi-viral with thousands of retweets. So it's either going to be Argentina or France who gets thousands of these cases. Darcy, who are you barracking for? I want the Argentinians. Let's go, Messi. (laughs) Okay. But this tweet, as you said, was really popular, Sasha, and they doubled down on the popularity of this idea. They then rolled out a new slogan that could be seen at all the stadiums, and that was bring home the bud. And then they tripled down, along with the winning nation, hopefully Argentina, receiving all the undrunk beer. Budweiser said they'll throw a big coming home party for them when they arrive home. So it seems they've managed to turn this massive curveball into a positive. They've managed this pivot really well. It's certainly got people talking and in some ways it's brought more attention to Budweiser than name in context of the World Cup. But what about sales, Darcy? Because I can assume they took a massive hit only selling non-alcoholic beer at the stadiums. The move isn't going over well with fans who braved long lines to get their fill where they could on Saturday. Yeah, so we mentioned they lost the $5 million just getting the beer to Qatar. But having said that, beer sales at the tournament are only a small portion of what Budweiser expected to get out of the sponsorship deal. And Qatar isn't a completely beer-free zone. Fans can drink it at set times in fan zones, away from the game and also in hotel bars. So the sales haven't been a lost cause. 
But the other parts of the sponsorship deal are where the value has really been provided to Budweiser. We mentioned its advertising can be seen everywhere. They've got deals with Messi, Mbappe, Neymar. They're plastered across Budweiser ads. And then they also have sponsorship of entertainment in Doha and fan festivals. Simon, our head of product here at Equity Mates, he saw Hardwell, which was sponsored by Budweiser. And they've also got promotions at pubs, restaurants and retail outlets in 70 countries. Wow. Well, I knew that they were still selling beer because I remembered Simon said he managed to buy some um, at a specially designated zone. So it hasn't been as bad as we might have expected. For a company to be two days out from one of the biggest sporting events in the world with their main product pulled, they have done so well to salvage anything. So let's take a short break and then when we come back... Let's dig more into Budweiser and FIFA's response. And also I want to ask the question, is it even worth paying these massive sums for sponsorship deals? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. To the dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. I've got a quick favor to ask. It's the last couple of days of the year. Can you pull out your podcast player and give us a five-star review? I want to say a huge thank you to Bulk David, who did that after listening to our Boomers v Millennials conversation earlier in the week. He said, great intergenerational comparison app. Yep, you have a few keen Gen X listeners. Keep up the interesting stuff. Big thumbs up. Five stars from David. Thank you so much for your support. Be like David. Give us five stars. Make us smile. That message made our day. Look, Darcy, let's get into the topic at hand. We've been talking about Budweiser's sponsorship deal at the World Cup. And then subsequently, there was a decision made to ban alcohol sales from stadiums at the tournament. So FIFA supported this ban and subsequently it could actually cost them a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely, Sasha. Despite Budweiser somewhat salvaging its World Cup campaign, it wants a refund. We mentioned they have a $112 million deal with FIFA for the next World Cup. Well, Budweiser is reportedly asking FIFA for a $47 million deduction from that deal after soccer's governing body reversed course on its beer sales in Qatar. Wow. So they want 47 million taken out of that 112 for the next cup in 2026. Let's widen the lens a little bit though. $112 million is a huge amount of money. Is it a good investment to sponsor the World Cup? So according to Global Data, there is a sponsorship revenue potential of $1.7 billion up for grabs during the World Cup. That's blue sky potential, but a massive amount of money. And it is obviously spread out across all the different sponsors. So at this year's Qatar World Cup, there are 27 brands directly partnered with FIFA. That includes Vivo, Qatar Airways, Adidas, Coca-Cola, Visa, Hyundai, Kia, McDonald's and Budweiser, of course. 
Vivo, they topped the list in terms of sponsorship deal value with a $450 million deal over six years. You get a shot, let's go. That's a lot of money for a company I've never heard of. Who are Vivo? Vivo is a Chinese smartphone company. I didn't know much about them either, but they've got some money to play with. But the thing is, Sasha, most brands are priced out of sponsorship. The average deal costs $63 million with FIFA. So most brands just can't afford that. But major sporting tournaments do present a huge opportunity for retailers who can afford the sponsorship. This is my family. Every World Cup, we all get together. Mate, let's go. 2018 World Cup in Russia saw an 18% increase in sales in the beer category than average for the year. And that equated to an additional 1.4 million shoppers. So maybe that's a good sign for Budweiser this year. But success isn't just measured in monetary terms, is it? Outside of money, sponsorship is a way to gain soft power and global influence. Yeah, that's right. And we talked about Thailand's government gaining soft power a few weeks ago when we did the episode on why there's so many Thai restaurants. And South Korea is doing a similar thing, just using different methods. Yeah, of course. South Korean K-pop star Jungkook performed at the opening ceremony in Qatar. Exactly right. So he has a big endorsement deal with the South Korean car maker Hyundai Kia, which also happens to be a major FIFA sponsor. So the South Korean government, they've been trying to build soft power by engaging these target audiences around the world. And there's no bigger audience than the FIFA World Cup. Darcy, I just want to interject. It's so interesting how these interconnecting sponsorships work. It makes me think of the Super Bowl and Pepsi v Coca-Cola and how the pop stars are all linked and that determines whether they can perform or not. So fascinating that it played out here. Yeah, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And state-owned Qatar Airways is another example of this soft power. They're busy selling plane tickets as FIFA's official airline partner. But they also play a pivotal role in the Qatari government's plan to establish Hamad International Airport as a major hub of global travel, like a new Dubai or or Singapore. And the same applies to China. It's got four key World Cup sponsors. And it goes across electronics, which is Hisense, mobile phones, Vivo, as we've said, dairy products with Mengu, and everything from property to media with Wanda. So a key reason for these sponsorships is to spread China's influence around the world and potentially help China host the tournament itself one day. So there is so much more to these sponsorship deals than just money. And the gain of soft power is also really hard to measure. There's one more thing that I do want to talk about, and that is the growing trend of what's called ambush marketing. Yes, very growing trend and a very sneaky way of using a major event like the World Cup or the Olympics to promote your products without really paying for it. Interesting. So we know FIFA charges close to $100 million for a four-year sponsorship deal, and most companies can't afford that. So what some do is use the event as a marketing tool and basically make it seem as though they're a part of the event without actually paying for the sponsorship. This is intriguing me and sounding very tricky. So can you give me some specific examples? A very renowned example is Bavaria Beer. At the 2006 World Cup in Germany and again in 2010 in South Africa, basically they gave spectators at the tournament branded clothing. So Bavaria Beer, T-shirts, jumpers, you name it. And people then wore that into the stadiums. 
And then the TV coverage, you know, everyone around the world's mm. watching the World Cup. They see thousands of fans wearing Bavaria beer tops and that's seen all over TV and all over the world. And it gained huge global attention, which was obviously very frustrating for the official beer sponsor, Budweiser. Another example in 2018 World Cup in Russia, Irish gambling company Paddy Power ran a campaign with the slogan, From Russia with Equal Love, Why We're Making Accidental Allies of the World Cup Home Nation. Basically, they donated £10,000 to LGBT plus charities for every goal the Russian national team scored in a protest against anti-LGBT plus sentiment in Russia. And finally, a more recent example here in Australia, Sasha, Sportsbet, you might have seen they've been running a campaign with the slogan, Yeah, Nah, Qatar. And that's been running during this year's World Cup. The World Cup in Qatar is a bit, yeah, nah. Are you sure you won this bid fair and square? Yeah. Darcy, I've only seen the slogan for this campaign, Yeah, Nah, Qatar. I don't actually know what's going on. Basically, they've run a campaign saying, yeah, nah, we don't support what's going on in Qatar. But yeah, we're happy to have a punt on it. So I'm not sure how ethical that is, but it is an example of ambush marketing. Whatever combination of yeah and nah or nah, yeah, the second word is what you actually mean. That one took me a long time to, <laughs> to get people to understand when I was overseas. Nah, Look, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we could go around in circles for ages with that one, Darcy. So why don't we put a pin on our episode today there? If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend about it. Write a review like Dave did. Honestly, it's the best way for our podcast to grow and we want to kick off 2023 with a bang. If you've just joined us for the first time, I mean, you've not picked a better time. We've got a huge back catalogue, plenty of summer listening. A reminder that we'll be wrapping up for the year next week, but we will be taking a short break and then back refreshed, recharged in your podcast players from the end of January. Remember, in the interim, you can follow us on Instagram at The Dive Business News. You can contact us by email, thedive@equitymates.com, and you can subscribe wherever you're listening right now and you'll never miss an episode and you'll get our first one when we're back on the 29th of Jan. Darcy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.